0: Welcome to episode 121 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is... Tired Cleese. Tired Cleese?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted. How the hell do you have that much freaking energy left?
0: I, I did stop by the Mountain Dew table at Space City Comic Con and drink like 15 cups of stuff.
1: <laughs> I drank a bunch of that too, but it didn't do anything. It didn't have no effect.
0: Well, you're also a heavy coffee drinker, and I don't really drink much caffeine like that. So normally whenever I drink the energy drinks and stuff, they, they affect me like they're supposed to, which is great.
1: Okay, you're probably right then. So of so quick coffee? I mean, and then drink Mountain Dew like crazy. Well, I'll jump out my skin. I didn't say I didn't say
0: all that, but <laughs> that is an option.
1: By so the any, way, blue is better. Blue is better. Yeah, the red Mountain Dew. You like the voltage better? I actually like
0: it. It's not bad. It's like the blue raspberry. I didn't mind the pitch black either. The pitch black's not bad. The code red's my favorite though. I'm, I'm always a. Why are we talking about Mountain Dew? Because <laughs> it was so much of it there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are talking about Space City Comic Con, which that is we true. just came back from. It's been uh, three days for me, two days for you. Controversial! Uh, a lot of fun. Yes, it was a little <laughs> controversial. Um, uh, some of the stuff happened with the Sons of Anarchy, who were the big guests this year. Uh, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about what that was, but some miscommunication happened between them and the con, and some fans didn't get the pictures they were promised, and some people left before they were supposed to, and uh, it's just kind of a big a mess-up. I'm not really sure on the, all the details, but... People were unhappy. Uh, it looks like Space City tried to fix it last night. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure they will. I'm sure anybody that had any kind of problem will get refunded, and
1: it'll be fine. But um, the con itself was actually pretty fun. Oh, the controversy I was talking about, I thought you were talking about the Francois thing and the Bauer media not wanting to take my pictures <laughs> and the me laying on floors and well, stuff. Well, if if you follow our social media, you saw the pictures with
0: Francois, who we met back at Kamapuza <laughs> last year. Uh-huh. He's the gay pirate who sells uh, the Siemens Sexology <laughs> book. Um, we went up to talk to him, you and I ex- extended a hand, hand for a handshake, and uh, he's like, "No handshakes here." And he hugged me, and then he lifted a leg and started humping me, and it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> See, with me, I got a fist bump. <laughs> uh, you got a fist bump, but then he wanted to take a picture with the horse, and uh, he made you bend over in front of him. <laughs> and he got you from behind. That was crazy. Yeah. What did he say? Sometimes even a bottom is a top. Sometimes <laughs> that just messed up, man. <laughs> And lucky, then, lucky the, whole, the
1: horse didn't stomp on him.
0: Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing with Barry Media. Uh, Barry's a, a good friend of ours. We've met mm-hmm. at a bunch of cons. He's a photographer here in Houston, um, very ingrained in the the con circuit here as well. Of course, uh, Miguel was trying to hire him to take nude photos of himself. I was going to have
1: nude photos. <laughs> it was just me taking pictures. Hey, come on, man, let's do. I was just doing the sexy poses his models do on his on this right, but his unofficial. You, you don't you don't look exactly like some of those ladies. <laughs> Did you not see the last ones he took? I could have took pictures with them. I. I'm okay. I'm, I'm I'm actually decent looking. I look like as good as some of them. I'm just saying. Uh, it's good that you have a,
0: a strong self image. <laughs> um, <laughs> whether that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Barry was not having anything to do with naked photos of Miguel. There
1: was no naked photos. They're not <laughs> naked when they take their photos. Why would
0: I want to be naked? Speaking of naked, we did see some interesting cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh why <laughs> i saw the most brazen cosplay i think i've ever seen at oh yeah a con um there was a man walking around wearing nothing but a loincloth and when i say nothing unfortunately i mean nothing
1: <laughs> you got the side profile
0: unfortunately yes uh-huh. A swift wind came by and it was bad the horse yeah the horse <laughs> it was you you ran past him and, and thank god i didn't see it it was bad it was really bad um if you're an overweight man, you should not be wearing a loincloth in public. just saying what do he like sixty <laughs> he was like sixty two yeah uh cosplay within what's socially acceptable for you, <laughs> you know if he wanted to dress as the Punisher or as you know Batman or something that would have been fine. Tarzan's not good for him you know uh, going going shirtless, I think is probably still okay, but you know you can't go full bottomless that's like a problem, yeah. You know, if you want to go as Encino Man or something, <laughs> <wearing> a, <laughs> like an open and flowered shirt and like a pair of cargo pants or something, uh-huh. do it, man. That's great. Okay. But you know, what what universe is it okay for like a 60-year-old man to walk around with a loincloth and nothing else? Well, you know, he just lived on the street, dog. He just walked there. <laughs> I'm just saying. He, he went and got his media passes the way we did. That's right. <laughs> I'm media. <laughs> I pulled it off. All in all, though, it was pretty fun. Uh, we, we met Frank Barberi, who we are huge fans of. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've known Frank for a a while now i mean he came on the show about 70 or 80 episodes ago mm-hmm. um i thought you're gonna say seven or 80 years ago like we haven't been doing this that damn long i'd be dead sometimes it feels that i'd way. be dead <laughs> <laughs> no but frank was really cool i hung out with him the whole weekend i mean friday i went and talked to both of them for about two hours uh he was sitting right next to matt rosenberg who we're also tremendous fans of if you guys remember we can never go home was our favorite book of last year um and, and matt is just really insightful just a really interesting guy they both had a lot of cool stuff to talk about i mean we talked comics we talked the industry we talked you know just personality kind of stuff and it was just great to get to know both of them uh, we did interviews with both of them which we're going to play for you in just a little while uh we also went to a few panels we went and learned a lot more about valiant uh, fred van lente was there mm-hmm. who we've also had on the show uh, we didn't get around to doing an interview with him
1: he was busy most of the but time But he
0: was like he's on a pretty strict deadline so he was working on scripts and typing stuff and on the phone constantly and i mean he would like pause to sign stuff for people but then right back to work so we didn't really want to like bother him and like interrupt his work to do an interview
1: now uh, he he took time when he signed all my books to talk to talk to me a little bit and it was great to talk to him i'm mean, a huge fan of his you know that yeah uh and he was pretty cool pretty cool guy so i'm glad
0: yeah we also met one of the higher up guys at valiant oh yeah and uh you know we went to the valiant panel and learned a lot more about that universe um, it, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, if you remember we had Fred on, he talked about Valiant a little bit, told us we needed to read Archer and Armstrong and Ivar, Time Walker, and uh, a few other books like Quantum and Woody and stuff. But uh, we've never really gotten around to it. I mean, <laughs> we read so many comics on a regular basis that yeah, it's just really hard to find time to fit graphic novels in and stuff. But the Valiant booth had a great deal. It was like five graphic novels for 30 bucks. Yeah. So we picked up uh, the first volumes of, of all of Fred's books. And uh, we're going to give them a shot. Yeah. And then I got the free one. You got a free one. You you (laughs) won a free one at the panel. I got the third one. Yeah. (laughs) All in all, it was pretty cool. Uh, We also met a couple of newer people to the industry like Donnie Cates and um, Elliot Rahal. They're both relatively new to comics. So uh, we're going to have both of them on the show later on this year, probably to talk about some of their books. But uh, all in all, it was a lot of fun. It
1: was a great con. Yeah. I don't really know what else to say. Dude, you forgot one of the best times of our lives was sitting there and actually getting to take a picture with Sam
0: Jones. Oh, yeah. We met Sam Jones slash Gordon. That's right. Oh, <laughs> How could you forget it? Uh, it, was, it was early yesterday. i high, stuff.
1: man. I changed that to my Facebook profile. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. to meet Sam Jones. Oh, man. It was great. I got to talk to some Lucha Underground guys, which my boys are going to totally love. It's really cool. Dude was freaking strong as hell. <laughs> Took some pictures of cosplayers. Of course. Saw some cosplayers I was going to take a picture then I was like, whoa, they're a little young. Let me turn around. <laughs> there's some
0: amazing cosplay this year, too. Uh, if you're a fan of Ren, Ren Stimpy, there's a great picture out there of the powdered toast man. <laughs> I couldn't believe how good this guy's costume was. It was just astonishing. So, you know, go check out our feed and, and see it because it's, <laughs> it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, Too bad I know who the hell he was. I thought yeah. he was a toast. You never watched Ren and Simpy? I did, but I just didn't. That didn't, didn't click. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, uh, you know, since it was a con week, we didn't get to read all of our books like we normally do. Uh, I know Miguel probably didn't even read anything, but I did read a couple. Uh, I'm going to briefly touch on those because they were so uh, widely discussed this week, and I feel like we at least need to address them. Uh, DC Rebirth. Uh, yeah. It's the the very hard-to-describe beginning of the new storyline that DC's going forward with um, it kind of explains why the new 52 was created and what happened that caused that to occur um, a couple of spoilers if you don't want to hear just you know fast forward a few seconds uh, the watchmen are now part of DC continuity
1: which is really cool which is
0: it's very cool but not only is it very cool it's very interesting the way that they did it and the the characters that they chose to have an important role in the DC universe going forward Um I also read Justice League 50, which explains the, uh, what did the Morbius chair tell Batman when he asked who the Joker was. Um, it was interesting. It didn't really give him a name. It told him that there's three people out there that are the Joker. So Batman's now trying to figure out what that means. And uh, we had some interesting theories about that uh, since the Watchman is now part of DC. Uh, I'm going to say this now just in case I turn out to be right. I want it on record. Okay. I think Rorschach is a possibility of being one of the Jokers. That's messed up, man. <laughs> uh, he's got the look. He's got the crazy. <laughs> you got the look? And he kind of came out of nowhere. So if, if uh, Rorschach ends up being one of the Jokers, you heard it here first. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the other big controversial book this week that even surpassed the discussion about DC Rebirth was Steve Rogers' Captain America number 1. Because... <laughs> Hell <Hell-hider>! Hydra! <laughs> Apparently, Cap's been a triple agent this entire time, working towards the detriment of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the United States, and he's really been
1: working for Hydra this entire time. He's doing a really crappy job, if that's the case. (laughs)
0: He's a Hydra agent, I'm just saying. That Hydra agent must love the world. I don't know what's going on. I know, right? (laughs) So, everybody seems to be in some kind of furious uproar about this. Nick Spencer was getting death threats. I think that's just... Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm not the biggest Captain America fan. I think we've talked about that before on the show. I like the character, uh, but I don't really pick up the single issues of the book. You know, I'm not, I'm just not drawn to Captain America like I am some other characters. Like, I'm way more in tune with like mercenaries and violent characters than Goody Two Shoes. You know, Superman and Captain America have never really been my thing. I got you. But because of the controversy, of course, I have to pick this up and at least you know be informed before I give my opinion. And uh, really what it comes down to is Nick Spencer is an amazing writer. Morning Glories is one of my favorite books that comes out. Um, it's an incredibly complicated and, and very hard to follow a story with a lot of twists and turns. If he's doing something like this that is so out of character for Captain America and so bizarre, yeah. there's got to be a real reason for it. I don't think he would do it as a shock value thing. I don't do, think he would do it as a gimmick just to sell more books or to create more controversy. I certainly don't think he did it to get death threats. Uh, (laughs) That's a little too much, man. uh, I think he did it because he has a real reason for it and because there are going to be some interesting and compelling stories coming out of this. So be patient, people. Uh, Give him five issues before you start writing him death threats. If if nothing's happened in five issues and you're angry, uh, (laughs) you know, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to say write death threats, but, you know, (laughs) you can complain. After five issues.
1: All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to.
0: (laughs) It wasn't me. (laughs) That actually reminds me of another funny moment we had uh, at Space City Con this year. Oh, God. Uh, We were standing around talking to Barry Media, the photographer, Uh and uh, this amazing cosplay of Nick Fury walks by. And it's the movie Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, he started to pass us. And as he was passing us, Barry just shouts out, Hail Hydra. And Nick Fury's head just spun and looked at us, and he was giving us like that glare. That I mean, it, it looked just exactly like Samuel, didn't it? Yes, it did. He really does. That's creepy. <laughs> and he was just walking and looking back at us, and then we the all, head
1: turn was even perfect it
0: in was the look. Perfect. We like stopped, and we all laughed, and then he disappeared into the crowd. And we start, We went back to talking. Just a couple seconds later, he comes out of nowhere with a gun and puts it to Barry's head, and he's like, "What'd you say?"
1: <laughs>
0: he's like, "Freedom." <laughs> And I mean, you know, it wasn't a real gun, obviously. It was, you know, a plastic gun part of his costume, but it was really funny. Uh, and just. That was, it was
1: pretty good. I mean, the dude was, it was very uncanny uh, how close man. he looked like him. Like,
0: man. Nice. It, was, it was a great moment in the con. So, all in all, we had a great time at Space City Comic Con this weekend. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. The NRG Stadium is a, a great house for it. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that parking was so cheap. Compared to what it was last time we went to a big con like this. Yeah,
1: cheap ass. No, uh, I mean No, <laughs> Now, they stuck it to us last time. Economical ass is, is, <laughs> is more
0: actual. Oh, oh. Uh, and, of course, we got to see a lot of our friends. Uh, Joseph from BS Excluded was down here. We hung out with him for a while. We didn't even see him today. We didn't even see him today, but we saw him yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we met a bunch of new people. and All in all, it's just a lot of fun. So, um, You found out you had fans. Yeah, I do.
1: I do. <laughs> I felt so alone.
0: You have fans too. Everybody asks where the horse is, <laughs> no, because they nominated. I'm like, go, the horse is gonna do something stupid today. The one thing we didn't find was Batman underwear. I'm hoping Comic Palooza will turn that around. And We'll find some. <laughs> That's not necessary, man. Oh, it's it's more than necessary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm gonna go ahead and play these two interviews for you guys. I hope you enjoy them, and we will see you back next week with a regularly scheduled episode. Here's Frank Barberi.
2: Oh no. <laughs> Hey guys, we are at
0: Space City Comic Con talking to a friend of ours, I guess you could call him that. Frank Barberi. Best friend? Best friend. After this weekend, maybe. (laughs) We hung out enough, haven't we?
2: (laughs) No, seriously, I don't use that term lightly.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man.
2: (laughs) All right, so... uh, This is the point where people start turning off the podcast. They're like, all right, Barbary's lit. Put it down.
0: So we had Frank on the show once before and interviewed him about Five Ghosts and a bunch of his other projects.
2: How long ago was that? Probably about eight or nine months ago. Okay. Sounds about feels right. feels like ten years to me, but that, thank you. I'm very glad to be back and live. We're happy we're to all, have you. We're all making eye contact this time. Yeah, that, that definitely
0: helps. Uh, you know, Actually, we weren't even planning to come to Space City Comic Con until we found out that you and Matt were going to be here. You were the big draw. Mainly
2: me, but Ma- Matt, yeah. I mean...
0: Don't <laughs> tell Don't tell him. <laughs> he
2: is sitting next to us, so
0: we have to be a little polite. So you have a new book coming out uh, from Aftershock Comics
2: called The Revisionist. And people are cheering. <laughs> As they should. It's a great book. Uh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, this week, uh, or next week, so June 1st, Wednesday, the revision will be out. It's uh, a book I co-created with Gary Brown, who is doing the art, and Lauren Affey doing the color, and Mr. Dave Sharp is lettering it. Uh, it's edited by Mike Marts and Mike Richter from Aftershock, and I'm super proud of it. It's been a really, really awesome development process. Uh, Aftershock has really let us just kind of do what we want and and i picked my collaborators and mike has been awesome both mikes who edited it really just talked through a lot of stuff with us and are keeping an eye but other than that it feels really like just making garage comics like is how i always said with five com- uh five ghosts and and image in general like you make the book and send it in and then go forward and it's very much the same with this so in that sense it feels really organic and true and and there was really no, well, not really, there was no interference whatsoever, so this is exactly how the comic would be if we just sat down and self-published it, and there's always a lot of pride in that. I'm, I'm happy with everything I put out and editors I've collaborated with, but sometimes it's definitely just kind of, the work kind of turns into much more of a collaborative effort, but with this, it was very much just like, this was the book I wanted to do, this is the book that's coming out, so we're all definitely really proud of it because of that, and again, I, I hope people enjoy it, but from us, I know we could not have done any better on this specific book. And that's the best feeling to have when you put anything out. So
0: I completely understand. I mean, you know, I'm recently doing my own book and it's the same kind of feeling, just so awesome to see your stuff come together like that.
2: Yeah. And it's that, that's the pride of when, you know, you did it without compromise, how you wanted to do it is always a, a good feeling versus, cause there's definitely been stuff where or something just kind of went amiss, or like something didn't come through, or or some something in the collaboration maybe didn't pan out the way I expected. But uh, I'm very happy here to say that is not the case. This is the best form I think this book could have taken. That's awesome, man. Well, what, do you mind telling our, our listeners what the story's about a little bit? So the like quick tagline it's is that it's about a uh, time traveling assassin. Our main character's name is Martin Monroe, and uh, we start out and kind of show a quick glimpse of what his life is like as a Uh, time-traveling assassin. He has kind of cool futuristic tech and almost a James uh, Bondy vibe with like gadgetry. But uh, the first issue really explores how he kind of got into this mission and who gave it to him. Uh, A minor spoiler, but it's his estranged father and we learn a little bit about the context of their relationship and and really get a lot of mystery in the first issue. This is an ongoing series that we really hope to keep going and uh, definitely has a bigger world to it, which is really exciting for us because that's the kind of thing you only start discovering as you work on the book. And, uh, the first six will be a very focused arc kind of getting us from one place to another and and then opening it up. And, uh, really it's just kind of learning who Martin was and, and he's currently in prison when we find him in the present day and, uh, really just kind of exploring how he kind of gets mixed up in this time traveling adventure and, uh, a little bit of who he is as a character and some of his motivations, uh, Definitely when, when we were doing it, I thought of really cool openings to things like The Matrix, where you see Neo kind of like just getting thrown in headfirst and not really getting it. And uh, while I wouldn't say content-wise, it's like that, but that was definitely something I thought about as we were coming in, because I really wanted to like hit the floor running with the first issue, like get a lot of exciting stuff. It's unabashedly an action book, obviously. And, and I think we ended up leaning on almost like 80s action a little more than, uh, than we I initially thought. And, I see
0: that influence. I like it. Yeah.
2: And, and then also sci-fi and... Sci-fi find more of an aesthetic loose sense, too. It. It's not like I think this book is asking, like, super difficult questions or commenting on current technology, but just it has that that kind of futurist vibe to it and a little bit of, well, obviously the time travel and stuff and the gadgetry, but uh, I don't know. I think a lot of times, like, my version of genres are really just a mix of a lot of different genres and aesthetic and and this is definitely my kind of like pulpy take on sci-fi and uh again i think gary and lauren gave it a really distinct awesome look and uh they're both collaborators i've worked with and i really enjoy working with and it's great to be able as a writer to hand stuff off to people you trust and just let them have fun and really give it a distinct look and uh i think both of them really kind of found something unique for this and uh they're both great and prolific artists and uh, have a lot of different projects, but it's always exciting to see a specific project kind of get its own
1: visual voice as well. So That's awesome, man. Yeah,
2: I get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Another oh. person's here. <laughs> no.
1: Yes, I've been standing here for the last 30 minutes. No, Watching me pontificate about
2: my own work.
1: <laughs> and getting fondled by a fan there, obviously. <laughs> hey, the book is great. You You catch our interest right at the very beginning, and then you take us to his origin he's in prison i mean i liked it i really did it's it's really cool it's got everything you want action a little suspense a little heartbreaking moment in there and then a total dick move in there <laughs> but you can tell it's one of your books
2: i'm reading cool five ghosts
1: anything you write and again i'm gonna throw his name out here and i'm not t- having to you steal your thunder but i can tell anything that's written by you frank or anything written by steve you really can it just has you all over it and that's great i mean I'm, I'm we're gonna do idea. everything we can to help pimp, th- pimp
2: this book out thank you so much. i mean i as I said, I'm really proud of everything I've done, and I, I've been lucky enough to be very prolific in the short time I've been in comics. But I feel like this book carries a lot of the uh, very similar vibe for me as Five Ghosts. Obviously, content wise, it's very different, but I think it, it, as I said, not only the creation, but looking through it, it reminds me a lot of that energy, of that pacing, and a lot of the, I'm not to sound so like, weird like new wave, but the vibe of it really is what I get that's what I've been trying to say and it just looks like me trying to shuck my wares but honestly I feel like if you're a fan of Five Ghosts this book might really resonate with you in, in the way that Five Ghosts did a bit and it, it's funny because Chris and Gary went to art school together and I met them both at the same time so I've known Gary almost as long as I've known Chris so uh, I think it, it's good to, that we have a longer relationship and there's a lot of trust there and I think he's really just doing some of the best work that he's ever done On this book and his other projects right now, so I'm glad this is happening. Like at this point in time,
0: it's great to work with people you trust. (laughs) makes a big difference. Do you guys have
2: any questions or anything that we could talk about, and maybe say, okay, go read the comic first and then listen to this portion?
1: (laughs) Sure. Where'd you grab the name from of the hero?
2: I hate naming people. (laughs) people make fun of me for saying that but it's like
1: consistently the most stressful part of
2: me because then there's always like well do I want their name to be like a pun or like something about like their character or does it it?" names just always sound artificial to me when I'm naming people because I tend to think about like I when I'm writing a character I really just gotta think about the elements like what they want like what what their conflict and like weaknesses are and with this I just wanted I like to go by the old Marvel standards of like just uh alliteration names and uh when I was thinking about it, I just grabbed Martin out of nowhere and without even thinking. Like I said, that Marty from Back to the Future. But then I thought that was funny and like, yeah, if you want to be like, oh, roll their eyes, like really, you named the guy in your time travel story Marty? I actually love it. I think, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's. I, really I think fun. it's fun. And and again, it's my my work doesn't always have a lot of levity in it, so I think little things like that can at least be be fun. And
1: well, I've seen a couple of movies. I think when the character is in prison, his last name is Monroe. So just like, it works. Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh yeah. Well,
2: and so then I just like, I feel like it does have a good sound to it. Martin Monroe, like just the rhythm. And my best friend's, uh, girlfriend's name is, uh, Meredith Monroe. And, and I was just like, I don't know. I think we were talking. I was just like, I'm going to use him as my, my friends, uh, my character's last name. And he was like, I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I wasn't asking for permission. I was just kind of saying, yep. and, uh, I think uh, Well, his father's name is Levi, and uh, I don't think we say it for a bit or really see who it is, but uh, I've been wanting to name a character Levi for a long time, so I'm excited for that finally, too. Uh, and just uh, the, like, kind of prison bully's name is Judd, which I think is a pretty aggressive. Yeah. And then uh, as soon as I saw Gary draw him to I'm like, oh, he got exactly what we <laughs> were picking up when I was like, <laughs> Judd is like the, like, he looks crazy like a tattooed prison jock who's giving uh, grief to our main character.
0: One of the things that I find really interesting in the book is that he announces his actions uh, to his wristband.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it really wanted to be, like, a fun, like... I was thinking of, like, the tech part where you kind of see him, like, leveled up, like, in the beginning and where he'll eventually get to as a revisionist. Uh, I wanted it to be interesting and show that he was using different kind of gadgets and while you see it, I thought that was a fun way to do like voice activated commands. So you see him yeah. like telling his gun to stun or kill. You see him like hacking the, the kind of uh call box through the elevator and saying climb. It's funny because, uh, I was showing it to my twin brother and originally I was like, what can he say? Cause he already told the elevator to like go up. And my brother's like, he can say climb. I'm like, Oh yeah, I <laughs> forgot what verb we could go for to show that he activates like his little, uh, magnet boots. But, uh, but no, I, I I feel like with a lot of stuff, it's easy to lean on genre and easy to like get almost too tropey, and and that's what I'm really trying to fight against in my work now. Because I've definitely written stuff where it was just very genre heavy, and I forgot to really make it a little not subvert, but at least like give some unexpected stuff. And with this book, I'm really trying in the action in a lot of the scenes to do really fun beats and kind of keep it moving forward in an exciting way and uh
0: you've succeeded what's that <laughs> you've succeeded
2: uh, well, thank you so much I, I feel like you are two of like the very first people to read the actual book too i i did a podcast the other week and uh the guys were great and really like my work but like i couldn't tell if they liked the book or not and they weren't being mean we just weren't talking about it Partner, we wanted to be like did you like it can you please tell me <laughs> if you liked it but i luckily didn't break down desperately but uh but as i said I, i'm super proud of the book it's uh exceeded my expectations and as I keep harping on feel like it's a very true vision of what I want to do so I uh <laughs> for uh <laughs> listeners uh Matt Rosenberg is currently holding it up and showing everyone at this con he looks great you look great
0: you do <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no it, it, it's definitely a story that I think uh beyond the fun concept I've also managed to get like a lot of things I think are fundamentally interesting like things like again what is like the greater good is it worth like sacrificing your values for what you think the world needs it's a, a lot about fathers and sons and, and kind of we'll, we'll really see that relationship in this first star between Levi and Martin and questioning like oh well maybe there were more important reasons that a parent wasn't in your life and really also exploring the morality of that a little bit because yeah it's a difficult question we all like kind of sacrifice our personal relationships for our jobs for things we do and and stuff like that is always the things that are important to me but first and foremost i mean this is entertainment i like action stuff so really i want to make sure it is actiony up front and you see a lot of fun cool stuff but there really is a lot of substance to this one for me that uh I hope we'll seep through and, and people will see that there is something specific to say.
0: It's a lot of story for a short number of pages.
2: Oh, well thank you. And and th- it definitely has a higher panel counts I think than a lot of my work. And I discussed this a lot with Gary that, uh, I want to do a little bit more of a, uh, grid type book. I mean, we don't really have nine panel grids, but there's a lot of like eight panel pages and, and things like that. And I think Gary's done a wonderful job of, uh, doing that storytelling in like kind of smaller panels. And, uh, it's not as crazy as anything like Hawkeye or anything like that, but it definitely is a little bit of a stylistic shift, and I was uh, I was interested in how much we are getting on every page and how much we are getting into the issues because uh, we are wrapping uh, issue three right now before one even comes up, so it's good to be ahead.
0: That's something I never really even paid that much attention to until I started writing myself, but now that I'm doing it, you really have to pay attention to panel count on pages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I,
2: well, and, and I mean, it's weird because like when, I, when I think of like a page like... I know what i want to happen on it but like there's so many different ways to to do that and and i've really tried to be very on point with this book and I, I feel like the dialogue is better than a lot of stuff i've done i really went through and like read it a lot with people and made sure like that while i was they it was really i, I must credit aftershock who i am really having a great time collaborating with who gave us the time and space to really make the best thing we could instead of just trying to rush us through or get anything out and uh I think it shows in the work that we care about this and have really like taken time. And, and again, as I said, Mike gives us our space to work. But again, we'll read everything, talk to me about Tyler, talk about what's there, and, and really has been a great like, kind of mentor through the book. So.
1: Damn it, he stole my question. Uh, <laughs> the answer is Was <laughs> so, it? Actually, with- I'm going to make a couple comments and I'll ask a question. Number one, uh, first of all, let's go back to Five Ghosts real quick. I'm going to just make a quick brief on oh, that. no worries. Five Ghosts was amazing. We love Five Ghosts. I think Five Ghosts would be a nice miniseries on TV. This could actually be a TV show. I'm serious because the way it flows and how it has so much in it, like you said, so much action, so much story, everything. It's like something you would watch. It seems like something you would tune in every week to catch. Like set the DVR in case you miss it. I mean, it's that damn good. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's really good. And the thing was, like, I was going to ask you, how did you find AfterShock? I mean, how did you not go with Oni or, or Valiant well, or something like that?
2: I I am definitely someone who likes to work everywhere I can, and uh, um, I've been very fortunate to do a lot of different creator-owned books at different companies and. And frankly, I think that's one of the best things about comics right now is that there are so many different companies who are doing creator-owned work with with original new ideas and things like that. And I had met Mike on a panel uh, probably around like eight months or so prior to to him going to Aftershock. And uh, we had just talked, and I was doing a few stuff at Marvel, and I love X-Men, so I definitely kind of picked his brain. And... uh, when he left he just reached out to me and was like hey I'm, I'm heading to this new company I know you do creator own stuff do you have anything you'd want to do and he told me a little about the company I'm like oh that sounds great and frankly like anyone who's willing to let me do original work, well, anyone's letting me, anyone who's willing to let me do work in general but also anyone who's willing to let me do kind of my own stuff like I'm a creator who has a lot of ideas a lot of different genres and things I'd like to explore so I was just so floored that he even asked and uh, sent him a few ideas and this is the one that really stuck out uh, so it was a really nice, easy, organic process, and uh, again, very flattered and still excited. Mike has edited some of my favorite comics of all time, so it's really cool to work with him and and at a new company and really be part of still the initial push. So
0: yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's got a AfterShock's putting out some great titles, and you know, they're only now entering the market and getting well known. Uh, but
2: it's funny too, because uh, when you're saying the TV stuff, I, I really feel like I've been uh been trying to pay attention to more like. Uh, shows that i like and how the pacing of say an episode works within an issue of a comic because comics i think are so interesting in the sense that i'm a very very big craft nerd and uh i like my issues to feel episodic in the sense that you get kind of like a full movement like a good episode of television like yes it's part of a bigger framework and i think more than ever with a lot of series but there's a full beginning middle end to an episode and uh the challenge always with comics is because we only have 20-22 pages that can feel a little crammed but I think definitely with this doing the higher panel counts and Gary's expertise at storytelling quite frankly like have helped make it feel a little more okay like I got a full episode's worth of content and episode in quote Like, but yeah, also it's part of a bigger framework and really with this book I've been paying very very careful attention to that pacing to make sure every issue is like a good unit that you're, you're happy to read and get some Closure in terms as a reader but still open up like, and being part of a bigger narrative
1: I mean you're 100% right I'll be honest with you I've read some Marvel books and some other books that are kind of like all over the place here and there but yours does read that way oh, what you which so you accomplished was you accomplished I mean it's very just I'm, I'm going to shoot a shout out to your boy over here Matthew over here his book is kind of the same way I mean you guys are amazing I mean I mean this book i mean you look at this book first you're like uh, i don't know if i'm gonna like this or not and, you know I give it a shot because i know you and the I'm logo's like, in a circle what the hell know, yeah, but, you're like, damn. Hey, it works for dc now right <laughs> but you're like damn this is amazing i cannot wait to see where this is gonna go and you left me hanging you bastard Awesome, I'm,
2: I'm, <laughs> and when that's the kind of stuff like that's weird when you're constructing something and you know all the spoilers you know where all the cliffhangers lead and uh you always hope like that'll resonate with people. So that's good to hear. I, mean, someone, I heard someone say recently about writing that it's like uh, it's like carving a sculpture out of, out of wood, but you also made the wood. <laughs> so you have to find the story within it, but first you have to actually make the thing that it's built from. And I think that's mm-hmm. an apt uh, comparison. So by the time stuff comes out, like I said, I read this and I'm really happy with it, but there's no mystery to it. There's no <laughs> excitement because I know exactly Weird what's thing. what. So. Yeah.
0: What, one question i have story-wise oh, and you please. may not even be able to answer this because it could be secret <laughs> are we going to see more time traveling people show up in this story
2: uh yes uh it's not really specific well specified but martin's job really is to eliminate other, other time ones? travelers okay. and that person he's killing in the first scene like has that weird future monocle uh is actually a time traveler okay. so we will be seeing many more and there's a very cool arrival of a new character in issue two. Uh, who Gary just did a great job designing. That's really gonna kind of open up. By the end of three, you'll really get the sense of uh, the world of the book and what we're dealing with, like what his role as the revisionist actually is. And then from there, it'll really just kind of open up. So,
0: well, that's awesome. I'm I'm a really a big fan of you and of the book. Um, actually, we're doing a live show at Comic Palooza next month. And uh, we're gonna have a couple of copies. To give, where are you doing it? Oh, we're doing a live show at Comic PaloozaCon. Oh, awesome! Awesome! Uh, we're gonna have a couple of copies signed by you to give away to our audience. So uh, oh, if awesome. you want to check it out? And you don't? So have if have you come to, to, to Comic, comic Palooza,
2: make sure you you get in there. Yeah, uh, that's a good place to get it.
1: <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna say. Damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, you made a good. Uh, yeah, we're gonna find out that his dad. It's probably the reason why everything's fucked up.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, really, not to, not to spoil stuff, but the impetus for this story for me really was I love the idea of uh, someone discovering time travel and just, like, kind of plopping through time and checking things out and not realizing that they're, like, messing everything up. Yeah. So that was really where this came from. It, it moved a lot forward from there, but that's the the whole weight of, like, Sins of the Father. It's a tropey thing, but I love the idea that, like, oh, like, I thought I was kind of just, like, you know, cruising through time, but... Now we found some problems. So. Yeah.
0: Well, it's really cool, man. And, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. No, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry.
2: I keep like, well, let me prattle on for five more minutes on a like smaller question. But honestly, uh,
0: we could sit here and talk to you all day about <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's other things to cover in Con this year. Uh, so we got to get on the move and go interview some more people like Matt sitting there waiting for us. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, check this out when it comes out next week, guys.
2: Thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: Always a pleasure. Always. Thanks, Frank.
2: Boom. (laughs) I hope you enjoy that. And uh,
0: here's our only other interview we got this weekend, Matthew Rosenberg. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys. We are back with Matt Rosenberg. Matt, you go by Matt or Matthew? Uh, I go by both, actually. I've been
3: calling you Matt all weekend. (laughs) I I don't notice. I don't have a preference.
1: That's Mr. Rosenberg to you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's flash flooding in Rosenberg.
3: Yeah, there is. There There you go.
1: (laughs)
0: So anyways, uh, we are big fans of yours. I think I've told you that already a couple times this weekend. Uh, Last year you wrote We Can Never Go Home, which was our favorite book of the year. Oh, thank you. And this year you've come out with Four Kids Walking to a Bank, which we absolutely love as well. Can't wait to see where that story goes. Uh, And you're here, you know, shilling the books and promoting Space City Comic Con and just having a great weekend,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. Um, The the people at Space City have been awesome and... uh there have been a bunch of enthusiastic fans and a lot of weird stuff going on, and I like all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. It's my first time in Houston, actually. I've been to other parts of Texas, but this is my first time in Houston.
0: Yeah, we're really glad you came. Uh, actually, met you and Frank are really the reasons we even came to the con. Oh,
3: that's awesome. Uh, Thank I you.
0: really wanted to meet you guys and talk shop and <laughs> pick up your books and get you to sign them, and uh, thanks for doing that. Um, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what Four Kids Walking to a Bank is about?
3: Yeah. Um, four Kids Walking to a Bank is uh, about uh, four kids who rob a bank. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because, uh, well, maybe it's not funny, but I I used to, with We Can Never Go Home, I used to have like these long spiels about, like, oh, well, it's this and this. And uh, I'm not very good at, like, at pitching stuff. And with Four Kids Walking to a Bank, the title says so much that I I sort of shortened it to just be like, yeah, it's about four kids to rob a bank. And I think that's funny, but uh, no, it's, a, it's sort of a it's either a very dark uh, comedy crime caper about children or it is a moderately funny crime story about a heist, uh, depending on what you want. It's sort of the middle road between a... Uh, a very dark coming of age story and a uh and a and just a crime thriller kind of thing. It's great, man. Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Paige is my favorite character. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like her. She's tough. She's hardcore. The book is great. Uh man, I'm struggling today, brother.
3: <laughs> I, I like I like Paige as well. Um yeah, so they're, they're, there's four kids, and uh, they are. I feel like everyone has a favorite. We get a we get a good mix of like who who likes which one, and people keep sort of asking me and Tyler who draws the book. They're like, "Oh, you know, were you like Paige?" and and it's funny because uh, Paige is definitely the kid I wish I was when I was a kid, but I'm definitely uh, more of a burger, sort <laughs> of the loudmouth uh, kid that nobody wanted around. We can, we can relate uh, yeah. <laughs> i pretty sure that was us too <laughs> so, so it's funny because, because Tyler is like I'm very much stretch he's like I'm very much the like quiet very supportive but like guy in the background so uh, yeah uh, uh, but but we get more I love pages than anything else so it's uh, I mean she's the lead it is her story more than yeah. anyone else's so that's that makes cool. sense that's cool uh, Frank talked a little bit about his writing process. What is yours like um, i like I have a very small laptop and I like to lie in bed and write uh, so it looks like the least professional thing ever, just in terms of physically writing, which I like but uh you know my process is uh i mean i when I was younger uh both my parents are writers and my dad, who is now super supportive of my being a comic writer and is now a comic book reader, uh, he used to hate that I read comics when I was a kid because he used to say, you know, it's not it's not storytelling because story is, you meet a char- the curtain goes up, you meet a character, when the curtain comes down, they're a different person. And he said, how is Spider-Man now different than he was 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever. The characters aren't evolving. And I don't agree with that. But I think somehow it did weasel its way into my brain, because when I think of my own stuff, I very much start with an ending and work my way backwards. yeah and that's and, uh, really important to me that I, I think, I, think I, I need to know where it's going't I'm not one of these guys who builds a huge world and says, "You know we'll find the stories in it. I very much. Say this is the point, this is what I'm trying to tell now, how do I get there and it's uh yeah i mean I, I i so yeah, I work backwards from the end of a story and and uh then I just sort of try and figure out who the characters are, and I thing that's really important to me in my work is like I try and make everyone uh a character who you could like in some way my my feeling is always like. If, if someone came in and said, you have to flip the book and now it's about this character, like I would know that character's take on the story and their point mm-hmm. of view. And that's really important to me. Like, uh, I'm not one of those people who has like, a giant world bible that is like, this guy was you know a camp counselor and then he got a food allergy or whatever. <laughs> but I do know, like, I do figure out who they are and like, what their voice is and what their motivations are and, and where they're going and like, how the story affects them.
0: You make that really apparent
3: in just a short amount of time, too. Oh, thank you. Each character is
0: drastically different than the one um, before him.
3: Yeah, I think... You know, when We Can Never Go Home, it's funny because... Uh, that's something that, that some people really liked and some people really hated. Because I'd introduce characters and people would be like, really, really like that guy and he's only in it for 10 pages. What's his story? And it's like... You know, it's not. that's not this book. This yeah. book isn't his story. He just passes through and... You know, now we're doing more. We can never go home. Uh, me and Josh and Patrick and the whole team are going to do more at the end of the year. So, we are going to touch on some of those people who people liked in the first volume. But uh, it, it was a funny complaint to me because people were like, this guy who's only in it for six pages, or this character who's in it for eight pages, like, who are they? I like them. Why, why didn't you tell more about them? And I, that's not, you know, I don't like everything necessarily wrapped up neatly with a bow. I think that there should be loose ends and stuff that you come back to and think about and revisit. Like, you don't have to have ans- every answer on the page. That's sort of important to me. Uh, the important ones need to be there, but the other ones less so. So, uh, that's sort of how I feel about writing, I guess. Okay. You're really good at it. And I'm
1: gonna tell you this: when these books came out, I had to literally drive to, like. To comic book shops out of the middle of nowhere to find a copy. Yeah. You couldn't even get my my comic book store. Like, I didn't know it was dropping. He heard, hey, this book is coming out by Matthew Rosenberg. We got to get it. I heard good things about it. Okay. It was too late. Called my comic book company. Oh, we only ordered a few and they're gone. Yeah. So I went to some place. No. So he one. went to like five shops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get... Well, well, both, not just one,
3: but multiple copies for him and me. So yeah. It's like, yeah. I get that a lot. People are... Uh, You're good at what you do, sir. Well, thank you. Um... I don't know that that's what I do but the uh yeah the books are for whatever reason uh people have my books tend to seem to me to be underestimated that's what I hear the most and I hear it everywhere I go it was just like not enough shops had it by the time I called they were gone and it's uh you know it's better than the opposite being true I would never want shops to be burdened with books and whatever And eventually everything comes out in trade. But I I do feel bad when people are driving to five shops. And, you know, I had a guy come and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I had to, I went to, you know, I went to two states to find your book and I couldn't get it. And then I had to buy it for $40 on eBay because I wanted to read it. And that's not a great feeling. But I appreciate the passion uh, that people have. People get excited. And, you know, I get excited about comics too. So I, I get it. I've definitely, you know, yeah, we live for comics, so... <laughs> yeah, I've definitely gone to cons and, you know, spent 10 hours going to every retailer and being like, do you have this one issue? I'm looking for this one thing, and uh, so I, I get that, but it is also, like, I feel bad that it's on my behalf, so... We've talked to a bunch of people over the years, and, I mean, we've got to talk to
1: Frank before, Fred. The first time I met you, came up here, I was extremely nervous. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't approach it. It was, it was kind of weird. I couldn't, uh... <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I
3: I try and be approachable. No, I I, I thought you were very approachable. I came right up. We started talking. Was it because I was stabbing that guy at the time, and that made you uncomfortable? (laughs) That's fair. It might have been the chocolate. That that bothers people. I don't know why. But uh, some guys that some
1: writers, some artists that become your favorites after you get introduced to them. You, Frank, Steve. I mean, you guys have been in my top five by far. Oh, thank you. I mean, I put Cullen Bun and all those guys. I have. I mean. Yeah, that's nice company to be in. I I like all those writers' work. It's like meeting heroes. I mean, seriously, that's oh. why
3: I'm saying. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. We'll you. keep buying, and we'll we'll do whatever we can to tell it's Thank coming you. out. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to me because it's like, the I grew up in the punk rock and hardcore scene, and like the thing that was always important to me about that stuff was like, you know, I knew other people who were into like big, huge bands and rock stars, and it it's not ex- they're not accessible. It's not those people aren't accessible. And like, I liked going to shows and like, you know, the band you love sleeps on your couch after the show, or yeah. like, you go to dinner with them, or like, you know, you you can get on stage and you know, sing a songs and jump off and whatever. I I like that, and and that's what I love about comics. I uh, I was on a panel with Kieran Gillen once, and we were asked like, how do music and comics relate to you? And Kieran gave a great answer about how like. I don't remember what he said, and I don't want to paraphrase, but it was sort of about like, uh, Kieran's sort of view on like, he talked about sort of glam rock and this like people speaking through you and becoming other characters and David Bowie and all this stuff. And for me, it's like comics is, is, is punk rock. It's, it's low, it's low stages and no barricade. Like people can come up and just be like, Hey, I read your book. And, You know, I didn't love it. And I go, okay, cool, what, you know, what did not you like? And, like, I I love that. I love the interaction. Um, That's why I do so many conventions. I do, like, 16 a year because it's, like, I don't make a ton of money at Comic-Cons, but I I like that if people want to be able to find me and talk about my work, they can. That's why I have, like, a Twitter and my emails out there and all that stuff because if people want to say, like, you know, why did you do this or, you know, how's your, you know, what is the point of this or how did you do this or, you know, I always want to be accessible to people. Like, that's really important to me. Um, I understand why there are writers who that's not for them and I understand why there's comic creators who don't want that and I'm not trying to cast aspersions. That's just not what I'm into. I want to always be able to just like, you know.
1: That's what makes you enduring to us, to the fans because you are out here. You are approachable. People can talk to you. can give you their honest opinion. And I mean, that's that's great stuff. You can't say... (laughs)
3: wear this all the time now.
1: That's amazing. Frank just walked up with a Chewbacca he, shirt.
3: He, tol- <laughs> he told me he was going to buy it yesterday and I... So- and I Oh, that's not bad. And I sort of didn't believe him. <laughs> but... So, this is going on. I forgot how many... Five, it's five issues. Five four kids and five You know how much I hate
1: miniseries, but you know what? This is a great one. And why do you hate miniseries? Because <laughs> it always ends when I want more. Yeah, yeah.
3: No, I understand <laughs> that. I, uh... You know, it's, uh... We had again. We had an ending, and we just figured out how far it would take us. It's hard, also, in indie comics. You don't know. Like our book, we're lucky that it did well enough that we could definitely do more. Uh, You know, uh, I think Black Mask would love it if we did. They basically were like, "Yeah, you want to figure out a way to continue it, because we'll pay for it." And we were just like, "No, there's a point. There's an ending." So I'm hoping that. You know, and then me and Tyler will go on and do something else that hopefully people like and resonates. I imagine down the road, you probably have more stuff coming out
1: soon with Black Mask with other people. Or uh,
3: yeah, yeah, I'm doing a, a book called the, an often delayed book called uh, Our Work Fills the Pews with Black Mask. That's maybe at the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year. We sort of don't know. It's it's it's. Uh, there was a bunch of weird hiccups and problems with that book, but it's with uh, one of my my very dear friend, Vida Ayala, is co-writing with me, and uh, she's actually just uh, got a gig at DC. She's writing some Suicide Squad stuff. She's awesome and a great writer, and that book I'm really excited about. And uh, We Can Never Go Home is coming back at the end of the year. Uh, I'm writing Civil War II Kingpin for Marvel. we, Uh, We talked about that
0: yesterday. Yeah. I I can totally see your take on Kingpin just being amazing. You know,
3: Kingpin, it's funny. He's, I mean, I, I love the villains. I'm a huge Marvel nerd, and I love Marvel's villains. And Kingpin to me is, like, exactly the kind of villain I love because when you take out just everything... When you take out just where he is now, he has all the settings to be a hero. He has, like, in the Marvel Universe, he's, like, incredibly smart, incredibly powerful, like, and, like, had all this adversity and, like, has all the determination. He's not, like, a Thanos or a Red Skull where it's a maniac and a... He's not a a villain in that he wants to, like, rule the world. His moral compass is just a little off. Mm -hmm. But there's a world where the Kingpin is, like, a little morally on the right path and he's Peter Parker I mean he's Daredevil he's, he's one of the good guys and yeah. I love that about him so like uh, I was really excited to get to right Kingpin I think he's a really you know really twisted sad tragic character and I think that's really fun yeah. um, and you know I love all the Daredevil stuff my favorite my favorite Marvel comic ever is a is a Issue that Kingpins in is an issue in the Brubaker run, uh, the Return of the King issue, the first one, is my favorite Marvel comic ever written. So it's a great one. Uh, yeah, I feel really honored to do it, and the and Ricardo Lopez Ortiz is drawing it. Um, he's untouchably good, and yeah, he's when he sends pages, we all just freak out. They're so beautiful. It's definitely like he definitely makes the book so cool looking and and awesome and exciting and. So I hope people dig it. It's uh, That starts in July. It's a Fortune miniseries. Um, I have a couple other things at Black Mass that are announced, a couple other things that are announced. I'm doing a book at Aftershock. Um, we're figuring out when we're going to do that now. And, uh, yeah, I have a bunch of other stuff that I can't talk about. I have a lot
0: of work. That's awesome, though. I mean, I'm glad your career is expanding. You're getting a lot of new books,
3: and yeah, I look yeah. forward to reading all of them. Oh, thank you. I feel really, yeah, I feel really lucky. It's funny because I'm actually, I'm at the point now where I, I turned down a couple of projects, uh, which is such a weird, like nauseating feeling to me because I never, like, a year ago, before we can never go home came out, there are things that I would have like dreamed about, and, I, and so I have to tell editors like, look. I just don't have the time. Like this is such an amazing, I, and I feel terrible like turning down projects because like I know this stuff comes and goes, and like right now people are excited about my work, and some people are, and they might not be at this time next year. So so turning down stuff. So I feel I you know I try and keep my perspective, and and you can only do as much as you can do. Yeah, and I, I you know I don't want to be overwhelmed, and I want to make sure the stuff I put out like I can stand behind and believe in, and I I think is of quality that I want out there. So, um, you know, if you don't like my stuff, that's fine. But uh, it wasn't rushed. (laughs) I can say that. Um, that, That's about all I can say. But yeah, it it took my time and I didn't, uh, I wasn't too overwhelmed when I did it.
1: Good to know. Down the road, if you want to talk about your stuff when you can, you want to get the word out early, hit us up. We'll be glad to have you on. We have Several thousands of followers, and we get a lot of people that download us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and everything else. So we'd be glad That's to awesome. have you. I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I'll give you my contact info if it didn't already. And, okay. Uh, you know, we'd love to have you on for a full show.
3: Awesome.
0: But uh, also, you know, we are doing Comic Palooza again next month, and we're going to have a live show Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and uh, we're going to have some copies of Four Kids Walking to a Bank signed by you Okay to give away. So awesome. uh, if you want to pick it up and you haven't gotten a chance to, come to the show, come see us talk, and uh, have a chance to win one. So. Great. Thank you for
3: that. Thank you for uh, coming and talking to us, man. Thanks for coming to Houston. Yeah. It's been great. Houston really, seems really nice. I mean, I'm in a big airplane hangar or something right now, which is <laughs> not the best. But other than that, Houston seems really nice. That's cool.
1: I just need to come for Colin Palooza.
3: <laughs> yeah. Not this year. Maybe next year. I could probably make that happen. It'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go. I just have a, a conflict this year. Unfortunately. Yeah. Awesome.
0: (laughs) All right, Matt. Well, thanks for talking to us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your con. Awesome. Thank you. You too, guys. Thanks. And that's pretty much it, guys. Yeah, do need to go pick up those books, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Revisionist comes out June 1st. Um, It's it's a fantastic story. I know Frank was kind of going into a lot of the ins and outs of it and everything, but uh, go pick up the first issue. Decide for yourselves. But I'm pretty sure it's going to make our top three next week because it's a really fantastic book. And, again, if you've never read anything of Matthews, go pick up the trade for We Can Never Go Home uh, or pick up the first issue for Four Kids Walking to a Bank. They're both just excellent. Um, Can't say enough good things about those guys. So uh, that's pretty much it. We'll see you guys next week. You want to close this out, man?
1: Keep on laughing, bitches. There you go. (laughs)